back in November, and that is uh, looking at uh, the, the letters that were written in the New Testament. And tonight, I want to look at one that we never read. We never really study from it. I, I dare say that many of you could quote at least one passage from just about every book in the New Testament. But I would also dare say that you can't quote a single one from the book of Philemon. And again, perhaps the reason for that is because we don't read from it. And we don't study from it. Philemon is a personal letter written by the Apostle Paul to Philemon. Uh, he knew him. They, they, were, they were acquainted. And it was written... On behalf of Onesimus. Onesimus was a former slave. And Philemon was his owner. But it certainly appears that he must have escaped, ran away. Uh, whatever terminology you, you want to use, I suspect that, that many of the, the slaves in, in the Roman Empire, I, I don't think they had chains on most of the time, I don't think they were under guard most of the time. It's just that it was an accepted way of life. I am a slave and this is where I live. But apparently Onesimus decided to run away. Now how he got to Rome, and that's where Paul was. At this point, the Apostle Paul was a prisoner of the Romans. You may remember that he had appealed to Caesar and... The sea voyage to Rome, I think you've just been studying that on Wednesday night, just recently. And so uh, Paul, Paul goes to Rome, and he's there for a couple years. But he has his own rented room, and people can seemingly come and go uh, as they please. And Paul actually uh, does a lot of preaching and teaching and writes letters while he is there in Rome. Now, how Onesimus wound up in Rome how he met Paul, how he got converted. We don't have the details on all of those things. You, you almost have to think that there, there might have been divine intervention here, that perhaps, uh, perhaps Paul, perhaps God, made sure that Onesimus ran into the Apostle Paul. But however it was, Paul and Onesimus meet in Rome. And Paul converts him and makes him a Christian. Before we even begin talking about the book of Philemon and the circumstances between Philemon and Onesimus, it is important to remember that in the first century, and really in, in the world for the most part, up until, up until this point, and for many, many years after, slavery was an accepted way of life. It was just the, the way of, of the world. It was the accepted way. It has been estimated that in the first century, there was something in the neighborhood of six million slaves in the Roman Empire. And it, it, was, just, it was just the way that they did things in those days. The New Testament actually gives instructions to both slaves and masters 
how they are to act, how are they, how they are to behave, and how they are to treat each other. I want to show you one in Ephesians chapter six. Ephesians chapter six. Let's start reading at verse five. Bond servants that we're, we're, Paul's, Paul's writing to slaves here. Be obedient to those who are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord. Whether you're a slave or not, doesn't matter. God doesn't God doesn't care to do what you're supposed to, whether he be slave or free. And you masters, do the same things to them. Better treat them right. Giving up threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. There is no command to the Christian slave owners to let their slaves go free. There's no command to do that. Instead, there are, there are commands on how they are to act and behave and treat one another. The law of Moses that, that Moses received at Sinai allows for a mild form of slavery. If you read the whole law, you will find that it allows for not, not fellow Israelites, but others who are taken captive in war. They also are to be well treated. However, there are instructions on how to treat those bond servants in the law of Moses. Now, under Roman law, slaves had no rights. They were, they were property, just like cattle and sheep. Uh, the, the owner could do anything that he wanted to with them. And, and no doubt, uh, again, I, I said that I don't believe that most of them uh, lived their whole life in chains. I don't believe they did. Uh, I don't believe that most of them uh, were under guard uh, most of their life. I don't believe that was the case. Slaves had a job to do, and for the most part, they went and they did it, and they, and they, came, and they came back home. But no doubt, there were some mean masters, no doubt, they were, and, and no doubt many slaves were treated horribly. There's, there's no question that, that they were, and, and under Roman law, you could treat them any way you wanted to. I think it's probably safe to say that in the first century, based on what we read there in the book of Ephesians, and that is not the only instance where instructions are given, I suspect that there were congregations in the first century there were slaves and their masters sitting on the pews together. I think it's probably safe to say, and it's very possible that, that there was a bond servant up there helping to, to lead the congregation in singing and maybe even uh, helping to, to teach the word. Their masters sitting there on the pew. It is very likely that that happened back in the first century. And so... Does that mean that you're saying T.A. slavery is a good thing? No. No, I'm not saying that. I, 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 I can recall that when I was still on the job, a couple of my African-American friends asked me, asked me these questions. They asked me. And then I had to try to explain what I'm going to try to explain to you and, and what I've already said. Number one, it was the accepted way. Uh, 
millions, millions of slaves in the Roman Empire and in the world uh, as a whole. I don't believe that any of us would even entertain the thought of, of owning another human. I don't believe any of us would even think about, about, such, about such a thing. But if, if the apostles and those first century preachers and teachers, if they would have told those potential converts, men like Philemon, who were slave owners, we want you to obey the gospel and become a Christian, and as soon as you do, then you have to let all of your bond servants go free. They wouldn't have got too many converts <laughs> among those people. It would have been culture shock. It would have been like me offering the Lord's invitation and saying, let us baptize you into Christ, and you've got to give up your car. You've got to give up your electricity at home. It would have been it would have been culture shock because it was the accepted way. And I think that in the first century God knew and those early preachers and teachers knew that if they continued to preach love and and compassion and concern for your fellow man, in the Lord's church slavery would just fade away. It would just eventually disappear uh, on its own. And so no I am not I am not in any way trying to, to lead you to believe or say that I think that it would be okay for any of us to own another human today. I, I don't believe that was okay. But you've got to understand, put yourself in the first century and realize it was a very different world. And Paul sends Onesimus back. He doesn't say, well, you've... You're a several hundred miles from Philemon now. You don't have to worry about it. That's not what he did. He sent him back. And he appeals to Philemon to accept him as a brother. Let's, let's, read, let's read from the book of Philemon. Let's start reading in, in verse 8. <clears throat> Therefore, this is Paul writing to him, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you, what is fitting? Paul is just saying, hey, Philemon, I, I'm, I'm an apostle. <laughs> I, I, I could tell you what you need to do here. But he, but he doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want it to be in the form of a command. Yet for love's sake, I rather appeal to you, Philemon. I, I'm, I'm asking you, being such a one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains. And again, perhaps it was divine intervention that led Onesimus to him, but Paul converts him there in Rome. Who once was unprofitable to you. He apparently had run away. But now is profitable to you and to me. I'm going to send him back, and he's going to be right there in your household again. I am sending him back. You therefore receive him, that is, my own heart. In other words, I, I personally care about Onesimus Philemon. And this is personal with me. I'm concerned about this young man. And so I'm sending him back, but I'm, I expect you to treat him properly in a way that is right. And he's going to 
build on that. Whom I wish that I could keep with me. That on, on your behalf, I love the way Paul words this. He really, he really is kind of, uh, without twisting Philemon's arm, he's twisting it a little bit anyway. Uh, whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my change for the gospel. But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing. I knew I didn't need to do that without asking you first, and I couldn't do that that your good deed might not be my, by compulsion. And that, in other words, you'd feel like you just had to because the Apostle Paul's asking you to do that. Didn't want it to be that way, but as it were, but, volun- but voluntarily. You know, Philemon had to do this of his own volition, on his own, of his own free will. Paul, Paul didn't feel like, even though he was an apostle, he did not feel like that he could could just command Philemon to do these things. For perhaps, I notice this is what we touched on just a minute ago. Even Paul thinks this. Perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever. Paul, Paul is just saying maybe God did intervene here. And God knew that Onesimus would be converted and would become a Christian and he'd come back there and he's not going to run away anymore. Maybe, maybe God did uh, have a hand in this and, and make this happen. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave. A beloved brother. Especially to me, but how much more to you? Both in the flesh and in the Lord. Uh, it's very likely that Onesimus may have been right there uh, with Philemon, perhaps as when, since he was a child. It's very, very possible. And so Paul is just saying here, uh, Philemon, you've, you've known him longer than I have. And now he's coming back to you, not just as your slave, but as a member of the Lord's body, same as you, your brother in Christ. If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. But if he has wronged you or owes anything, put that on my account. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand, I will repay him. Notice what he says here. Not to mention to you that you owe me, even your own self besides. It's very possible that Paul, Paul had a big hand in converting Philemon as well. And, and, and like I was saying just a minute ago, Paul is not uh, really twisting his arm and saying, I'm the Apostle Paul of Philemon. But at the same time, <laughs> he sure is nudging him pretty good here. Uh, this, this is Paul asking for these things. Two more verses. Yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Ref- refresh my heart in the Lord. Verse 21. Having confidence in your obedience to write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. Is Paul suggesting there that Philemon should give Onesimus his freedom when he gets back? Well, I, I don't know for sure that he is, but when he, when he uses the phrase, you will do even more, uh, maybe, maybe he is uh, just putting that thought in the, in the mind of, 
of Philemon, but he never, he never actually tells him. I'm going to send him back, but when he gets there, you got to give him his freedom. He never, he never actually does that. He just says, welcome him back as a brother in Christ and treat him right. And I am convinced that Philemon did that very thing. This is one of those uh, stories that you sure do wish you know you knew how this turned out. <laughs> but I, I, I'm convinced and I believe that Philemon did the right thing. Onesimus went back, did what he was supposed to do. And you'd like to say, and they lived happily ever after. Likely, likely worshiping together in the same congregation. Wow, think about that. Likely worshiping together. Philemon is a book, again, that we don't read very much from. Uh, there's just not a whole lot of application that we can make, except for the simple fact that while we are talking about a slave and his owner here, and we're never going to experience that particular circumstance or situation. We're never going to see that. But the fact that Paul insists to Philemon that he is your brother and you need to treat him right, that is a lesson that we can learn and apply to our lives and, and our relationship with our brothers and sisters here in the church. No, we're not, we're not master-slave, but we're brothers and sisters. And we need to make sure that we are practicing love, that we are practicing compassion, that we are, are letting each other know that we care about each other and trying if we can. If we see, if we see a brother or a sister, things are not going well for them. And we can fix it or we can at least help. We've got to be willing to do that for, for love's sake. For the very reason that Philemon had to take Onesimus back as a brother. We treat each other right for the same reason. Because we love one another. We'll finish right there. I hope that next Sunday night, if the Lord wills, we're going to try to look at the book of Hebrews. The gist of the book of Hebrews, of course, is that the law of Moses has been replaced by something better. And we will look at some passages in the book of Hebrews that show us that very thing. Tonight, as we offer the Lord's invitation, could be that there's someone in this audience who has never obeyed the gospel, who's never become a Christian. If that is the case, then 